really took you off guard. Let's fuck the EQs up a bit. <clears throat> What's going on? Uh, nothing much. Um, this week has been oh, pretty... You need to reset that. Jesus. Within the first five <laughs> seconds, you're already so crestfallen. Well, it's just taking, me, taking it out of me. So this week has been pretty chock-a-block. I've had social yeah. commitments as well as commitments to the podcast. Uh, we've been a bit on the offensive on the uh, on the on social the medias. On the social medias. On the yeah. social media to the extent that someone told us to chill the fuck out. Yeah, close friends being like, you are completely <laughs> suffocating my feed right now with... Um, screen grabs so. i think it's absolutely quality content do you oh thanks well, very much 71 likes on one picture Can't, do you know what uh, yeah i know uh, unfortunately it was euronymous um <laughs> and it did look quite like quite a staged photo as well um but as of today i checked we currently have one million followers <laughs> we have a we've hit the we've hit the one the big one zero zero yeah a hundred bones so we're practically famous deduct a fair 25 percent, which probably bots yeah we're yeah. probably yeah i'm just waiting for that uh blue verified blue badge check. Yeah. if there's one thing in life i want is to punch an angler fish and the blue check yeah. Have I not told you about my anglerfish thing? No, go for it. I'm just going to... I've made it my life. Skip to the end. <sighs> Basically, I want to punch the ugliest thing in the world. And uh, oh, save I think for I've you. Seen those. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've seen those fish. There's beauty There's... in horror, no. though, isn't there? Um, so you, you've had quite a busy week. I have, as it takes me absolutely forever to make us sound professional. Uh, so, and this is the product. This is well. I'm gonna try. We're gonna try and be a bit more professional and try and be as eloquent and well spoken as possible. Uh, that mainly is to do with me and uh, and me. Yeah, so well, mainly to do well, with the two people that contribute to this podcast. I throw you under the fucking bus every week. Yeah. Cause... So no one believes that you do this, but you edit yourself to sound as though you um, are articulate eloquent um quite direct like you know the topic that what you're well researched about? um <laughs> that you're confident um that you are and now we lead into <laughs> my problem which is that i pause the stuff quite a lot underhead. and i was just saying i've got like a cachet of um words just cycling through my head and i'm just trying to pick which one i want to use which i could literally be here for an hour just thinking of a single word <laughs> were you able to commit any of those words into the one of... second, hang on the, okay, the problem is is that you edit yourself very well and it and you sound good um for the most part throughout the the podcast um i don't know whether you do it out of respect or out of disrespect to me <laughs> to just leave me uh leave me be so i do sound slightly moronic um at times but maybe i'm just being too critical well, yeah, my whole, in our infancy. My, my end goal of this entire podcast is essentially just to collect 
a whole bunch of words said by you and then edit them together so I can have you say anything as some form of character assassination. It's going to be hellishly racist. (laughs) You don't even have to edit that. Podcasts are the deep fakes of the uh, digital medium. I'm going to make you say whatever I want. Well, you've had a busy week. Um, I'm going through one of those phases of just finding everything just abhorrent. Like, everything is getting under my skin and pissing me the absolute piss off. And what exactly is this? Well, one of the things that's really just effing my Jeff up at the moment (laughs) is um, my YouTube... uh, targeted ad algorithms okay. are completely skewed. They're, they're totally off. And I don't know wh- what has happened. I don't know how Apple is listening to me. And if it is listening to me, it's selective because it's got nothing to do with me. And I'm not... I, I mean, I can take... Tell me about your smart meter. Brilliant. That's, <laughs> that's fantastic. Eco-friendly, brilliant. Show it. I'm not going to click on it, but I can tolerate it. How can you get angry over this? I'm sure there's more damning things that they're trying to sell you. No, it's this. just really fucking annoying. Like um, the the things that um, they're targeting me with it, with are people that look like me. <laughs> so like bald <laughs> men. They've got the skull shaver. Yeah, <laughs> sitting in overly expensive um, gaming chairs. Like really garish gaming chairs, um, just filming themselves uh, like these tech bros talking about. Um, you want to know how I got three hundred thousand Bitcoin <laughs> within the past like thirty minutes? And this guy, he's got like four hundred Bitcoin. That? We now. could do something with that. We could do something with that. No, but it's every time I tr- start to try and watch something, it's one of these guys staring at me, trying to sell me a pyramid scheme. And now they got to the point where one guy who looked almost like a doppelganger of me, um, <laughs> he, I, 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 I wait for the five seconds and then I go, skip, 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 fucking skip. And then uh, when I watch something else, he crops up again, a completely different video, waves at me and goes, hey dude, um, I saw that you were watching my last uh, ad, but you didn't click through to the actual training. It's intrusive, isn't it? It's so intrusive, and I don't, I don't want to know. I don't, I literally <laughs> don't care. Like the thing that really aggravates me more than anything else, not the fact that it's a pyramid scheme, but it's their attitude. It's like the bro attitude that they've got. Like, hey, bro, you want to make money without having to go to university? You want to make money just by sitting on a fucking horrible gaming chair like this? You know, that's all based on uh, language dumps from what you've been searching. Mate, so if anything, I literally they've been tailoring like, it to your vocabulary. I'm trying to watch Mike Seatown talk if about records <laughs> and fucking ramblings. I'm trying to watch like Carrier of Wounds try and sell me CDs. If you've been searching <laughs> Ten Yard Fight lyrics, whose fault is that? I lit, but I haven't. I haven't. And ju- it, this is the other one, and this one does make more sense, but it is equally, if not more, annoying. Um, before I start watching like a a music video or whatever. I'll have a, an advert and it will be four minutes long and it's literally just a Motley Crue song. <laughs> I'm not fucking They've been listening joking. to our podcast, haven't they? Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, obviously there, you can look at my 
search history to a certain extent. And I don't know. I, we've been talking <laughs> about the dirt. We don't want to go into it again, but... Um, I don't want to go into your search history. <laughs> Trust me, you do. <laughs> it's just going to be like Matt Bunkle. It's going to be blank, Ludovico blank, blank. just peeling people's eyes back. <laughs> Look what I've been looking at. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, is what we were talking about earlier on, how to make a shit not smell. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you seen the the picture of the black hole that was released this week? Really put things into perspective, to be honest. Well, not the fucking picture. No, it's definitely not. Yeah, it was slightly underwhelming, isn't it? Yeah, I'm it's too... not exactly. It's not two thousand and one a space odyssey, yeah. is it? I've seen Interstellar. I don't need to worry about this. Exactly. It's pretty. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like uh, Christopher Nolan has a better idea of what a black hole looks like than fucking NASA. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I, it's just so meme worthy, isn't it? Like yeah. just this blur. That looks See like Matthew a, McConaughey swirling about. Just looks like a, a fiery anus. Um, and all these doom metal acts are just like scrapping their um, their art blueprints and their ideas. Just like, for oh, a heavily, fuck it, just put that on. For a heavily pixelated image of something, you kind of look at it and you go like, oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I see what that is. Oh yeah, I guess that is kind of big. So it was record store day yesterday. Yeah, did you go record shopping? I'm still nursing my wounds after last week, so mm. I'm not buying any records until I'm fully aware that I'm not going to be harmed horrendously. Yeah, yeah no, it's it's good. You need to take a break. By you, need to, a, you need to re recover. My 1988 death metal album. <laughs> um, I didn't um, participate. A couple of reasons why. One of them, I was at work. Um, That'll do it. Literally, that's it. No, <laughs> uh, another thing is... Um, I feel like saying every day, is that your cat? That is my Fuck cat. Fuck me. Let the cat in. Jeez. You're right, mate. You're being waterboarded or something. <laughs> Come on, mate. Um, so I feel like saying every day should be record store day is the equivalent of not all men in the Me Too mm. debate. Um, so that's, that's not what I'm trying to say, but Are I they comparable <laughs> in that context. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you've just undermined. No, I haven't. No, I've undermined the men. That's, okay. that's the point because they're like, Oh, not all men. Um, which is just a, a gross, um, oversimplification of just a complete misinterpretation of the brief. Mm. <laughs> but the reason, the main reason why I didn't um, purchase anything for Record Store Day is because I, I was in Brighton on Tuesday and I spent an obscene amount of money on records. I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to tell Where you how you much. Where did you go? Uh, I went to some kind of music exchange um, store and usually, this is another thing that's actually kind of, the more I think about it, it has pissed me off. Um, so I started looking through the racks and I was like overwhelmed by the choice. I was just like finding all of these gems. Um, like I found like Christian death. There was a shitload of Rollins band. Um, what else did I get? Uh, some th like Thurston Moore, like mm. guitar reworkings and stuff like that. So there was like, ama like just amazing stuff. Matt, there was mastered on records there for like a fiver. 
Really? Yeah, it was crazy. By the way, where was this? It was in Brighton. Yeah, but which record shop? Um, I'll let you know. <laughs> I can't <laughs> remember. No, I just remember the last time I went there, I think I picked up uh, John Carpenter's score to Escape from New York. Oh, uh, remastered, double vinyl, and it cost me an arm and a leg. I think it was at least like £40. Was it a re-release from that uh, label based in, I think it's America, where they take old horror soundtracks and they... Um, it begins with M, doesn't it? Yeah. And they do like prints. They do amazing prints. packages. Sorry, P-R-I-N-T-S, not P-R-I-N-C-E-S. Or princes, <laughs> sorry, prince. Uh yeah, yeah, I think it is. It begins with an M, but I can't remember who it is. Um, mm. And they did the they did the reissue of Friday the Thirteenth on like a blood vinyl. Like you could kind of tip it, and all the blood would like run to one end. Gimmicks are amazing, aren't they? <laughs> um, yeah. So it's I not said, about the art anymore. <laughs> it's not about the actual um, the music or the the content. It's literally just how it looks. Always judge a record by its cover. Um, so anyway, um, yeah, so I spent a, a horrific amount of money uh, at this record store. And I think the guy, like, um, the owners of the store sort of watching me and occasionally coming up to me saying, oh, um, I don't know whether you're into this. I mean, whatever, but like, we've, got, we've got more of that around the back if you wanted to have a look. And I was just <laughs> falling, I was, I was falling for it. Um, have so, his thick milk bottle glasses on, like a big anorak, and just pulls the... Uh... Gee, thanks. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't know how many records I actually ended up purchasing, but usually when you buy a large chunk in one sitting, for the most part, I'm sure you've had this as well, <clears throat> you get some kind of deal. Like, they'll they'll knock off. Mm. You don't want to haggle with them, but they they usually take it upon themselves to knock off some some money from it and he was like right it comes to this much and uh 15p um i'll knock off the 15p and i was like standing there kind of frozen because it <laughs> i wasn't i didn't shot up uh shot up, i didn't jot up uh, exactly how much it would cost and then <laughs> when it came to this like outrageous sum and he knocks off 15p i was like um okay yeah thank thank you very much Anyway, should we get into some news? Yes, let's. Let's do that. Who's first? Uh, let's talk about um, a bit of a, a carryover from last week. Okay, so last week we put out a stellar podcast all about the film Lords of Chaos. Anyone who hasn't seen it, it is essentially about the second wave of black metal in Norway and a series of arsons and murders that occurred. Uh, so the arsons in question were in relation to the churches that they had over there, but it appears that it's now back and in full force because where where did where did the other ones take place that you? Uh, there was one in Utah, one in yeah. Christchurch. That was a Mormon church, mm. and one in something Rickerton. Okay, so it appears that it's going full steam ahead. It's a global pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, watch out, Lanestone Church. Oh fuck, I'm giving up. <laughs> You're giving up giving it away. Right. <laughs> Fucking P.O. box. So Holder Matthews from Louisiana has just recently been arrested for allegedly setting fire to three churches in the St. Landry area. Um, the crimes themselves took place over the space of 10 days. Uh, it's He's a 21-year-old uh, musician 
and the ch- uh, the churches in question were African American churches. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Idiot. So, however. I think it's worth mentioning that he's not a racist because he has plenty of black friends, or at least his black friends said this about him. So reporting to CNN, uh, the an acquaintance uh, confirmed to CNN that Holden Matthews is not a racist and that the churches were a victim of circumstance. So they just, wrong place, wrong time. This is literally... The equivalent of, how could I hate women? My mum's one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, However, um, on a, I think it was on his Facebook, uh, he seems to have the same feeling that, or the the same motive that the guys from Norway had back in the early 90s, which is trying to kind of reclaim what... Christianity took away. Yeah. However, he seems to he seems to have the same sentiment for other people, not just himself. So he said, uh, more black people would look into ancient beliefs uh, of pre-Christian Africa. If they were to look into that, they would be horrendously offended at the at the the, uh, the takeover that the Christian church has had. Mm. So I don't know. It's difficult to. I mean, he's an idiot. He might not be a racist, but he's a fucking idiot. Yeah, which is a common thread with a lot of people that we uh, discuss, isn't it? Yeah, a they're, lot. Of they're people, not racist, but they're they're fucking all bringing idiots. us down. They're all into the same style of music as us, and we're all being lowered so, down to their same. So level. he's a musician, is he? He is, um, and he is the sole member of a band called Pagan Carnage, uh, who just a day after the. You're right now. <laughs> I'm joking on my dark arts. <laughs> Managed to get it in there. Yeah. Uh, a day after the burning down of St. Mary's Baptist Church in Port Bar, a video was posted on the band's YouTube page called Diabolical Soul Feast. The oh. last lyric to that song is, The Holy Church is now destroyed. Oh. So Premonition. Yeah, well... So I had a chance to listen to the song, and it's fucking terrible. Is it? Uh, yeah, it is nonsensical, and it doesn't really sound like it has any drums on it. It just sounds like someone playing a empty glass bottle How with is a Chris drumstick. Fenn? How is Chris Fenn nowadays? <laughs> he's got a new job. I told you, he's back. And having looked into it, uh, he apparently has only one like on his Facebook page. Oh, thanks, Mum. Which Mom. he now has two. Oh, man! <laughs> God's sake, mate! You've got to, you've got to be a patron of the arts, haven't you? Yeah. Can you send me that link? I can. Yeah, just because I want to like it as well. I'm going to follow this guy. I like how my um, shit out I like how my laptop just gave me a uh, a definition of the word like. You sure you want to like this? Band? <laughs> Although I don't know. It looks like everything's been kind of ripped out of his profile. So I don't know if the police have the power to kind of go into an account and... Uh, Something probably is, like, accredited to evidence in a courtroom. Mm. But um, other than uh, church burnings, which Mm. is, um, dare I say, a hot topic (laughs) at the moment, um, have when was the last time you um, committed to... Watching a Simpsons episode. A long time ago. I did go back to it 
quite some time ago, and also to Family Guy, because I fucking hate Family Guy. Really? Or at least I fucking hate what Family Guy is now. But when you look back at those old episodes and you look at it through more mature eyes, you do miss <laughs> quite a lot of... Well, mature. But you do... Shut up. But you do miss quite a lot of the humour that you wouldn't get when you were, say, like 14 years old. Yeah. Um, however, from what I heard, they've been in a bit of a slump lately. Uh, and I guess that's probably going to continue now that they're owned by Disney. Now yeah. that everyone's owned by Disney. Everyone's owned by Disney. Netflix, good luck. It's corporate synergy, man. Godspeed yeah. and good luck. So the reason why I bring up Simpsons is because in a recent episode... Oh, I just hate this so much. Like, it actually, it just angers me, it perturbs me so much. I don't know why. I think it's because I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of gimmickry in mm. anything. Like, when it's too niche, it just doesn't work. Unless you're like a diehard fan, which, to be perfectly frank, I'm not. Especially of Simpsons within the past decade, no. at least. But... um. Are you aware of a Simpsons? Oh, it just hurts me to say it. A Simpsons metal band called Oakley Doakley. Oh, the Ned Flanders. Yeah, the Ned yeah. Flanders. Are so um, at the end, like during the closing credits of a Simpsons episode in the past week. Oh, they actually had them on. Halfway through the credits where it goes to the black screen and you hear the traditional uh, Simpsons soundtrack cuts off and cuts to Oakley Doakley playing white wine spritzer or whatever it is how what? heavy are they though because I don't think I've ever listened they're, to them they're they, quite loud they're described as death metal but I don't think they're actually <sighs> death metal they just play loud metal they're, they're very loud and I think that's yeah. the main sort of but it's not actual it's not true true death metal it's not T-R-V-E <laughs> death metal is it um but have you had a chance to watch it? Uh, I can't. I sort of. I saw images of it. I had the option to click play. <laughs> so you're telling me that you came into this new segment having just not angry. fully no, just angry, <laughs> like seeing it, thinking that's annoying, and then just passing judgment on it without even <laughs> like committing to like going from um, from start to finish with this. Like no way. Does um, anyone find this funny or inventive well, though? This is the thing, like, if I'm if I'm going to be brutally honest, it is great that a metal band, especially one as hyper specific as a Ned Flanders metal band, can appear on an institution such as Simpsons. I mean, it's good for metal mm. if if you want to fucking go that way, um, but. And it's good. It's good for the band, and you know, some people probably found it funny. Some people probably found it um, interesting. Might have directed, like, might have gone to check them out and stuff like that. But are all bandmans uh, band members left-handed? <laughs> I don't. They're really not trying, are they? I fucking don't know. Why is Ned Flanders left-handed? You fucking is he? idiot. Yeah, he he opens a shop. Oh, yeah. The yeah, left-handed yeah, yeah, yeah. Emporium or whatever it is with left-handed um, can opener. 
Yeah, that was that was in Simpsons Prime, mm. wasn't it? Um, but I would say in general about this um, segment or whatever you want to call it, it's probably about as funny as <laughs> any Simpsons episode in the past decade. Yeah, it's there's... such a travesty. Like it is literally one of the biggest shames uh, <laughs> in modern contemporary pop culture how poor Simpsons has become. I mean, put me put me on a fucking desk saying the Simpsons has been terrible for the past decade. Change my mind, <laughs> and I will sit there and I will debate it. But to be to be perfectly frank. Can't even be asked to do that. <laughs> I just, yeah, I I don't know what kind of demographic finds it funny because I can't imagine any self-respecting metal fan to. Re- it's people who find, and I'm probably going to get shot for this, but people who find Bill Bailey's cover of Enter Sandman with the horns funny. It's just, yeah. it's really like probably you're over forty years old. We're going to get fucked for this, aren't we? <laughs> Taking it out on. Uh, Taking that out of the demographic. Yeah. The worst thing in the world is musical comedy. I hate musical comedy with a passion, apart from Flight of the Concords. Oh, yeah. And I'm probably going to narrow that down to season one of Flight of the Concords. I don't know. There is some funny stuff out there. Like, even bands that aren't intentionally a comedy band or a comedic, or comedic band. Like bands That's that not m- to say I don't like humour. I just don't like... Now- all out comedy. Oakley Doakley, good luck to you. Especially when The Simpsons is cancelled. <laughs> no, it's not. No, when it is. Oh. You had me scared for good a Good luck with your career after after that. <laughs> you're either going to be, gonna be retro. Big bucks or you're going to be sued out of your asses. So handbrake turn into what we were talking about previously. Uh, and it does have something to do with... There, there does seem to be everyone's on the fucking internet right now, and everyone's it's getting crazy. rolled up. Crazy. And it's Can not you just it? <laughs> it's not just us. Uh, so it turns out that there's another petition. <sighs> everyone's back on change.org. I know this. I know this. Yeah. So yeah. apparently, we've had this amazing discovery. Although I downplayed it earlier, <laughs> of the uh, of the black hole. Probably one of probably one of the most important discoveries. Ever, I'd say. Can you so, think of one that's more important? Um, Evolution. Gravity. Yeah. I didn't really discover it, though. It was already there. Yeah. Pentagram. Pentagram. <laughs> oh, and... Um, no. No, that is it. That is it. Yeah. So apparently there's a group of people in America who want to name the black hole after the late singer Chris Cornell, who was a singer of Soundgarden and of Audio Slave. But the less said about that, the better. He also contributed uh, vocals, I I think vocals, to Flotsam and Jetsam. Okay. Yeah. And I I couldn't see that on his... I couldn't see that on his Wikipedia. And, well... Which is my main source of all information. Um, And I think he also did some stuff with Alice in Chains as well. Uh, wouldn't surprise me then. Yeah. Same same era, same yeah. same area. The black hole has already been named. Do you know the name of it? Oh, please tell me. So I don't know whether I'm pronouncing it correctly because it's a Hawaiian name. Uh, it was named by Larry Kimura, who is a uh, Hawaiian professor who uh, helped, uh, was obviously instrumental in discovering 
mm. uh, the black hole and and was it was it NASA? I think it was a I think it was a group of different people from from different universities, but I assume that NASA just stormed in and took the credit. Yeah, because it um, wasn't like just like um, an Insta snap on a phone. It was like <laughs> they put a filter on it. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's a, got it's a not wide gaping word. hole. It's got one of those dog tongues just like <laughs> flapping out. Uh, so the black hole is called uh, Pauhi, which is spelt P O W E H I. Thank you very much. Yeah, Pauhi you're welcome. To you. <laughs> which, to be honest, ha- is a pretty fucking great name. If I don't see a band come out named Pauhi or someone name their album Pauhi yeah. or use the translation of what Pauhi means in the not too distant future, it'll be a great shame. So apparently. It translates, or roughly translates, to the adorned, uh, the adorned, fathomless dark creation, oh. or embellished dark source of un- of unending creation. Yeah, which is dark pretty... source being um, a source rather than um, a liquid based condiment, such as Brown's HP Brown sauce, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is a pretty great name. Like you can't you can't go wrong with that. Yeah. It's kind of like Pazuzu. It oh, sounds yeah. stupid, but it has far graver connotations yeah. behind it. It's so better, it's certainly better than Chris. Yeah, certainly, certainly better than Chris Cornell. <laughs> um, so apparently, not everyone's happy with this. So Juliana Jarin, I believe her, na- her name is pronounced. She got on Change.org. She's got some sand in her vagina. So <laughs> to take that out no please <laughs> so she's not happy with it um and she wants to name the she wants to name the black hole after chris cornell because of the song black hole sun yeah but it's not <clears throat> a black hole sun it's just a black hole <clears throat> so from the get-go she's already got it wrong <laughs> if you're going to get on change.org and make yourself out to be an idiot in front of thousands of people or as it would turn out not thousands of people uh oh so how many people have um signed the petition so they need a thousand people to sign this petition and i don't know whether that means that it then goes to nasa and gets considered i fucking hope not so far it's had 742 signatures mm. uh however for one of the most important discoveries ever in which it essentially affects 7.5 billion people oh, on the world. Yeah. Are they really going to count out to the whims of 742? See, I thought I was a curmudgeon, but you, with that, it was, it was so protective. I understand the premise of a democracy, but this is... This is ridiculous! This is, this is unbelievable, <laughs> and I will not stand for it. Have you got a counter petition? I, I, yeah, it's called it, set- yeah, it's called ignoring it. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard about Dio's return? No. So, um, Dio, uh, R.I.P. passed away in two thousand and ten mm. from cancer. Has uh, the main stage at Bloodstock is named after him? Mm-hmm. 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 Um, absolutely phenomenal singer, frontman. His contribution to metal 
is second to none. Not all of it, though. No, but you can't <laughs> deny that his early works are just incredible. Like, sure. That it's, it's, it's very important. It's a very significant entry um, to the history of metal and metal's continuum. Um, but Dio is back. Okay, in what He's form? returned from the grave. Okay. Dust him off. Dust him off. Upload Probably him snap to a... Some, snap some bones into place. Upload him to a, um, to a computer and a projector. Oh. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, God. He's back. <laughs> uh, Dio, Dio is back in hologram form. Okay. So... Did anyone ask for this? I pray. I pray that he didn't. I hope he wasn't in the on like lying on his deathbed, um, just like running over uh, Tim. Whatever you do, <laughs> like ca- calling over like Simon Wright on drums or something. He's like Simon, Simon, <laughs> come on, what what is it? What is it, Dio? My final dying wish. And I was like, what what is it? What's it, mate? Watch this performance of Tupac. <laughs> That's fucking You've got amazing. the idea. It's fucking amazing, isn't it? <laughs> Either that, or he's actually what he's actually saying is, I want you to take a picture of my coffin and upload it to Instagram. <laughs> What's that? You want to be a hologram? Um, so, so basically, back. <laughs> tickets have gone on sale for uh, Dio's hologram tour oh God. in the US. Uh, it will be backed by Dio's disciples, so Simon Wright on drums, Craig Goldie on guitar, uh, Scott Warren on keyboards, along with uh, Bjorn Englund on bass, and vocalist Tim Ripper Owens, <laughs> Australian, uh, and former Lynch Mob frontman um, Only Logan, um, and he'll be providing additional vocals. Uh, do you want to have some kind of? Throw me a ballpark figure of the cheapest what, ticket, ticket price. price that I could find, at least. Dollars? Yeah, in dollars. Uh, I'm probably going to say like $75. Okay, so the cheapest, you're close, is $90. Fuck. And I've seen this you've seen hologram. It, is yeah. it atrocious? It's so odd. I mean, we've we've already discussed it's a callback to um, what we were talking about, I think, from the first episode. Um, why him? Out of all of them, out of why all of him? Them, this is another thing, though. Why Dio? Yeah. It's so bizarre. I mean, what is the demand there to see Dio so great that they need to program him back into reality? <laughs> it's just that doesn't make any sense. And some of the tickets are going for an obscene amount of money, like it's in the hundreds. Is his estate involved in this? I assume that they had to sign off. I have on no it. idea. What all that we can take away from this is that it is an absolute cash grab. Mm. Like there is no other reason for it. Other it seems than, very unethical. Yeah, entirely. And I, I mean, you have to think like, what would Dio? What would Dio do? What would Dio do in a situation <laughs> like this? Just fucking pull out the plug. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> So yeah, if anyone is um, of a certain disposition um, and wants to uh, go see Dio live, tickets are on sale now. But please just stop. Don't listening sound to too the enthusiastic over. Yeah, it. just stop listening to this podcast. It's probably not for you. <laughs> yeah. It just. But why not Lemmy? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why Dio? Why? 
uh, who who can we who can we dig I think, up? I think Lemmy would be um, quite a good one. He'll put on a good show. Yeah. <laughs> I can't think of anyone who is good enough. Not necessarily good enough, because I don't think it's about them. I think it's more about me. And probably, I mean, are these tickets selling well? Have you seen anything about this? No, I tried to get some sort of like analytics. Yeah. Go, just because I was so um, taken aback by the announcement in general. But uh, I haven't been able to find out. They are selling though. Yeah. And I don't know whether my my wording of whether someone's good enough to be brought back, but whether it whether it is necessary i think the only word i can use for it is whether it's necessary why why is this this seems like a step down from watching an old dvd of them yeah that feels more like that feels more of a better representation of that artist's work you'd be watching it and then afterwards people if you if you went to one of the shows and then afterwards, people are like, oh, so you went to that Dio hologram uh, tour date. How was it? And they'd be like, yeah, yeah. yeah he, he wasn't there. He was, he was really good. He, he, was, just, he sang so well. He's and like, like, yeah, he's no such shit. A great, he's such a great performer. <laughs> like, well, yeah, what do you say about it? Yeah. It's like you can't review it. It would be like trying to review a film. It's like it, a, there's no there's no spontaneity behind it's it. It's like there's a no... bastardization of a critique because you'd literally be you wouldn't be talking about the. You'd music. be talking about the production. Yeah, you'd be talking about the hologram. So you'd be yeah, like, yeah, it looked like him. Yeah, so it completely undermines the actual performer yeah. itself. Not into it. No. However, not it. however, you know, if anyone wants to bring back MJ. <laughs> So, should we... Um, it's not an all-ages show. Shall we begin this um, absolute monolith? As I mentioned previously, I had a chock block week. So, aside from social commitments, I was a man on the street. <laughs> beat kids. Kids on the beat. Kids on the street. Beat, beat kids. kids. Uh, so, I had the chance to listen to the new Sun record uh, called Life Metal in a rather interesting... Uh, presentation, uh, which I'm not used to. Uh, so Sun have a new record out. Uh, it came out yesterday, I believe. So we're recording on the 14th and it was released. Record Store Day. Yeah, to coincide with Record Store Day. Um, so I got to go listen to it at a place called Institute of Light in Hackney, uh, which is a small cinema, which plays kind of small limited independent runs of films uh also has a record shop in the back which is really great uh has like motown and soul it's not really a place where you'd expect to hear sun's new album being played uh have you had a chance to look into this idea so essentially it's it's called pitch pitch black playback what fucking idiot came up with that name where they're going to make going to make it absolutely impossible to say? How am uh, I supposed it, to promote your event? It's so funny that you bring it up because everyone that I've spoken to about this particular podcast is like, oh, so you're starting a podcast. What's it called? And they're like, oh, it's called X and Ferris. And they're like, what? Okay. Yeah. My partner thinks it's still called Eggs and Ferrets. Yeah. So. I spoke to my dad the other day and he was like, oh, so you've started a metal podcast, have you? Have you? Must have been have you, so disappointed. Yeah. More oh, than that usual. Sounds disappointing. Um, 
Oh, and I was like, yeah, tricks, and he's like, Tom. oh, come on then, what have you called this one? Is it as bad as all the band names that you've had in the past? And I go, oh, it's Gosh. called... I was, yes, he, my dad is fucking savage. Um, <laughs> he was like... Can we get him in? Uh, get him uh, yeah, when we do New Wave of British Heavy Metal, he's, he's coming on. in and he's going to shame us. <laughs> um, he was like, oh, so what's it called then? Come on, tell me. And I was like, oh, it's called X and Ferris. And it was like tumbleweed silence. And he was just staring through me. It's like, Exxon Ferris. He was like, Exxon, Exxon what? <laughs> I was like, it's, I was like. It's Latin, oh, Dad. Have God. you seen Event Horizon oh, or not, Dad? Do you know what? Just fucking forget, forget it. it. Um, and then <laughs> basically I said, I spelled, I spelled it out for him. Uh, and it's like, F-U-C-K-D-A-D. Um, and... Uh, he then just stares at me and he goes, why do you do this? <laughs> anyway, so yeah. For anyone who's not familiar with the premise, it is a listening party that I believe in my attendance, there was about 30 or so members of the public who got to attend. Uh, it is completely blacked out. So I had these little, uh, what are they called? Little sleeping mask. Kind of thing, oh, so, which was like which was peculiar. For a second, <laughs> uh, and you sit there in complete pitch black and wow. listen back to an album in its entirety. It's my first chance to experience an album in that kind of environment. Yeah, and I have to say, it was actually quite an experience. It must would, be such a like a sensory overload kind of thing like it will heighten other senses being in pitch black in a way well it certainly heightens the music so well i turned i turned up there about six o'clock it was due to start about seven thirty. so i was over eager the uh the lady behind the bar looked at me like i was a fucking mentalist <laughs> um and there were a couple of other anoraki looking dudes yeah. who were waiting there and that's the interesting thing is just that quite a lot of them weren't ostensibly metalheads uh, it seems that they're, because I don't know whether you can really even call it metal. It seems like it's... Well, that's the thing that's quite contentious about... I mean, aside from the general. fact that they've called their album Life Metal. Yeah. Just if you weren't aware. Yeah, it seems... If you're on the fence. It, it seems like their It seems like their music crosses quite a lot of boundaries, where to the fact that it's not really genre-specific, it is experiential, and that was... That was kind of what really lent itself to this. So I don't know whether this would, whether this kind of environment or presentation of a record would work in the same way with something that wasn't so avant garde. Mm. From the guys behind Pitch Pitch Black, oh, I'm gonna you say you can't it. say that. I'm gonna say it if I if I manage to say it once once by the end of this podcast correctly without any stammering I'm going to be super stoked so in their so in their own words pitch black how oh my lord this is amazing pitch black playback isn't aimed at audiophiles it's simply for lovers of damn good music who still value the album as an art form and who want to hear their favourite records and exclusive first plays through the most immersive, detailed and visceral sound experience possible. You'll feel the bass on your body and hear the details you've never noticed before. Your hearing is heightened when your vision is cut off and only serves to make the music feel more intense. We promise that once you've heard music like this, you'll want to come back for more. 
everyone deserves to experience it, which is great because it was actually a free event. Um, <laughs> Fun and thrifty. Exactly, yeah. So on a budget, on a shoestring budget. So I definitely recommend uh, checking out Pitch Black Playback. Thank you. Uh, if you have the chance. I know that previously they've done such albums as Loveless by My Bloody Valentine, which I think is a record that definitely deserves that kind of setting. Uh, so for me, I think it was almost the perfect way to take in a record because I am very pedantic about how I listen to a new record for the first time. I mean, what's your perfect way of of listening? Do you have any like obligations or rituals when it comes to to listening to new um as long as long as i can cancel out everything Think, else yeah. around me uh that's all i need basically mm. i think i consume music best when i'm uh outside of my house actually so i'm just walking around and i've got in-ears yeah and they're noise cancelling mm. um, or if i'm running or something like that i just seem to take in the music more when I'm sort of walking around than if I'm sitting down and I'm, if someone said sit down, listen to this record, I could do it. But if I was doing it on my own, on my own accord, I would probably get slightly distracted. Yeah. So yeah, I think just in ears walking around, that's all I really need. Yeah. Especially when it comes to that first listen, you really want to shut everything off. Like yeah. the idea of, the sacrilege of people listening with one headphone in and you're completely missing that stereo sound because that's how yeah. that's how the artist wants it to or be listening presented. listening to it on your phone. Yeah. A little bit about the album. Uh, it's their eighth album. Teaser was published on the 5th of February 2019, which was a five-minute teaser video featuring kind of these swooping close-ups of the artwork. Yeah. Uh, and it was published by... Southern Lord Records, who put this out, who mm -hmm. is um, Greg Anson, one of the core members of Sun. I believe he is the founder of the record. Label, and and Stephen. Actually. Are they both from? They founded it together, yeah. Okay. Uh, so it was recorded over the space of two weeks in 2018 on all analog equipment at Electrical Audio Studios in Chicago. And that was recorded with the very notorious Steve Albini who has been behind a slew of really influential records throughout the year. Yeah. Uh, sorry, throughout the years. If we're talking um, about influential and prolific artists, he's producers, probably, engineers... It's probably difficult to think of someone who has had such a bigger impact yeah. on not just heavy music, but alternative music in general. And... I think from his tone in interviews and also just his general. He demeanor. sounds sick of it, doesn't fucking he? Fucking beleaguered motherfucker. He fucking hates everything. Yeah, yeah. So from the band themselves, it looks like they were trying to evolve their production methods into a stronger, confident performance-based and more logical executive process, which is what I got from this record. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to think how do how does one go about writing an album like Sun. Where does, I, I think where does one begin in the creative process? From from what I can ascertain is that um, every album that some go into predominantly starts with a concept mm. rather than 
um, a collection of riffs or anything like that. And there is a strong conceptual backbone. Yeah. It, I don't think that they've, even though it's easy to kind of deride them, I don't think that they've ever really put out the same record twice. No, never, never. Yeah. And that is the that is something that would be easy to fall into is is that there's a that constant evolution of, yeah. or revolution to their music rather than a continuation, mm. um, which is what makes them such an intriguing band because you can never tell what they're going to release next. Mm. So yeah, that's what I think. I think that's their uh, root um, inspiration is coming up with an idea and going, how can we expound upon this? How can we bring in orchestration? What have we not done in the past? This, that, and the other. And I think it is quite an arduous process. Mm. They're, they're, they're very much like Steve Albini. They're, they actually make me heave how prolific <laughs> they are. Um, so it's not like they spend um, like eight years between monoliths and dimensions to canon, not doing anything or just touring yeah. that record they are constantly working and considering they don't even live near each other anymore like yeah. Stephen Malley lives in, he lives in Paris. Paris now yeah yeah who was actually at the at the event and he seems like a really really intelligent dude um yeah. and very well spoken very softly spoken as well uh, and that is something that I realised from listening to a few interviews, uh, reading and listening to a few interviews, is the fact that they seem to get, they seem to be in on the joke of what the band is to a lot of people. So they seem to, they're, they're my idea of the perfect kind of artist, which is they take what they do seriously and their output is uh, sincere. Yeah. However, they understand that not everyone is going to be into what they do and they're not going to understand what they're trying to get at, but they seem to be able to take a look at themselves from a different perspective yeah, totally. and kind of take the piss out of the fact that they're what they're doing is essentially kind of in on paper is ridiculous. Uh, but if you, if you click with that style of music, then you, you, fully understand it as mm. i think they're very self-aware yeah which is not a trait that a lot of serious touring bands have uh they're very self-aware and i think one of the main reasons why they are self-aware is because of their popularity mm. they're a metal band uh greg and uh, greg and steven have literally been involved with hardcore punk that's hardcore comma punk <laughs> comma metal for decades even prior to to sun and which is very much an underground movement and then to be propelled to sort of the level that sun are at today you sort of have to embrace the humor yeah in things as well um so yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think Stephen O'Malley, especially, is out like almost um, scarily down to earth. This record's four tracks long, uh, and it clocks in at about sixty-eight minutes and fifty-six seconds, Ooh, which is one Jesus. of their longer releases. Yeah. 
Uh, and I have to admit, when I when I sat down, I was slightly intimidated. Did you need to do a wee? I d- <laughs> I did void myself before I entered the uh, <laughs> the theatre of conflict. <laughs> uh, and yeah, to be honest, I did sit down and I was a bit trepidatious because I was just like, how long is this? Am I going to be able to, is my body going to be able to accept this for a punishing almost 70 minutes? And to be honest, it absolutely flew by. Uh, and I don't know whether that is down to down to the immersive experience of it or whether the record is just one of those records that's written in a way in which you, it just flies by. Um, there's quite a lot of, there are quite a lot of times when I've recent, when I've, when I've listened to bands that have shorter songs and a minute and a half can feel really long Mm. compared to a band that has a well-paced 15 minute long song that seems to go by much quicker. And I don't know whether that's down to the songwriting or whether it's just being able to handle that amount of aggression Mm for you know a minute and a half well it's interesting because i think Stephen. i I keep calling him Stephen. like he's on my fucking uh he's he's on on your facebook friends list yeah like i've got him on speed dial (laughs) oh stevie yeah i think the thing is with um soma um which he has been referred to, by the way, in the past. And He's got a few aliases. Yeah, they're all, I've, I've never heard him being called that in um, in real life, but um, he's accredited as things on uh, records. Anyway, yeah, I, I, Stephen in the past has spoken about length mm. and girth of music. <laughs> uh, and uh, he has said, like, if you take into perspective a son song, which... Mm he looks at it as like a, a side of an LP and a majority of Sun songs are um, post eight, 10 minutes, upwards of 20 minutes, uh, a song. Yeah. 20 minutes in a lifetime isn't long at mm. all. And I think he talks a lot about pe- how people have um, disconnected with the patience that is required for listening to music. Yeah. Um, but I totally agree with your point as well that I sometimes you could be listening to thrash, which would just fly. It's, it's supposed to fly by. And I don't know whether it's just the humdrum nature of um, riffing that you've heard um, ad infinitum in the past, mm. but um, it can be quite tedious. Whereas listening to Sun, it's almost like that experience, very much like just listening to something in pitch black. It's 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 drawing you in. And it wants to keep your attention and you want to hear those layers build and build and build. So I'm, uh, I guess it must have like completely flown. I mean, as long as the record's good, of course. Yeah, and they, the, like as you mentioned, uh, people not having the patience to listen to a record in its entirety. These aren't songs that you can just dip into. Like you're not, you're not going into an album going, I really like that song. I'm just going to listen to that on repeat a couple of times, then move to another album. This is something that you have to listen to beginning to end, which is absolutely something that I endorse. Um, so it's the lineup uh, is made, of course, of Stephen O'Malley and Greg Anderson, who are the core members mm-hmm. of the group. And they've been known to have a bit of a revolving door 
of yeah. guests. Their collaborations, I'll touch on it again when, uh, slightly later, but it, it's overwhelming. Yeah. And people who want to be involved, and the, the degree of different individuals from different musical backgrounds who seem to... It seems to be a shared understanding of they obviously write there's there are people who write more um conventional songs who want to be involved in this because they understand it as an expression of the possibilities of sound which i think is 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 definitely what sun are about they're yeah. not about creating a, a standard musical narrative yeah they're about envelopment uh so the rest of the lineup um, for this record um, is made of uh, Anthony uh, Pateras, who I am not familiar with, uh, but he played pipe organ on the second track called Troubled Air. Uh, I had a quick look into him, and he is quite prolific. So I believe he's he looks like he's released at least about 50 records in the last couple of decades, or be, at least been involved in. Um, on bass and uh, third guitar, I assume, is Tim Midget. And rounding out is uh, Hilda Gondodid. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I don't know whether I'm butchering Hilda? that. Yeah, I think just, she... Just do it like that. How do I, let me just, put it, just put it in, put an accent on it. <laughs> uh, so, of course, she's Icelandic, uh, as it seems that everyone who does these incredible almost um what's the word is it like monastic chanting what that she does yeah kind of but she's more known as a cellist have you listened to any of her solo albums um i feel like i have i i don't want to start trying to reel off any uh, information about her no no i, I, I wouldn't worry about it no so she's she's been involved with uh people like johanna hansen okay uh, she uh, she featured on the uh mary magdalene film and she's actually done quite a lot of uh score work uh one that's most notable and that i'm quite looking forward to and i can already see you rolling your eyes into oblivion uh is that she's going to be scoring the new uh joker so no, that does look good. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah Are you yeah. on board? I'll commit to that, yeah. I mean, Mac and Phoenix is just... You can't go wrong, can you? you uh, signs is a bit iffy. It is, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I am looking forward to that. And having listened to her solo stuff, because she, she is a cellist, um, first and foremost, and her music is predominantly made up of her solo cello work. Uh, one of the first tracks, you kind of listen to it and you kind of get the feel of, oh, this is exactly where it's going to go and it's going to continue like this. But she does have a way of, almost in the same way that you would take someone like a Tom Morello, who doesn't look at the guitar just as a means to play riffs on, yeah. but seems to actually use the mechanics of it to invent new sounds. She kind of has that. So she she rounds out the uh, the, the lineup for Life Metal. Okay, so there's no um, Owen M. Barchi on it? No, no. So it's That's just... really interesting. Yeah, so there's only, there's only one person doing vocals, which is Hilda. 
And to be honest, so she... Wow. Yeah, so she features on the first track. And to be honest, it almost... It felt like the biggest letdown of the record. So... On the whole, the record is absolutely great, and I'm really, really looking forward to listening to it again. Uh, it's very difficult to it's very difficult to review this kind of record when you're listening to it in that kind of environment because you're not really listening to the specifics. You're kind of almost trying to switch off your brain and just intake it as best you can with with what you have. Uh, one of the things that did did stick out for me was Hilda's work on it. So she contributed the vocals on the first track. And it almost kind of suffered from a bit of underproduction. So it the vocals kind of sat on top of the entire mix. It didn't sound like there was a lot of reverb involved. So it was it felt like she was singing directly in your ear, which was a bit disconcerting because it kind of took you out of this massive wash of sound. And then brought it kind of kind of grounded it back down which is not what I was looking for especially in the first track of the record right. maybe later on once you've been surrounded by this for so long bringing something like that would almost be a little bit of a shock to the system but having it that early into the record kind of took you out of it slightly uh, however the other thing that she the other thing that she commits to the record is cello and not only cello it's actually electric cello uh radical yeah <laughs> so with and i think it is worth noting that it is an electric cello because it does present a certain amount of tension mm -hmm. that you wouldn't get from from a standard acoustic cello and it is a real kind of nails on chalkboard level of tension that punctuates certain elements of the album the last the last i'd say it's difficult to say this is the thing is is that as i mentioned it it really flew by so my grasp of how long a section was going on is pretty much impossible mm. um i'm gonna say the last 10 to maybe 15 minutes was nothing but quiet cello this kind of low droning uh held notes over mm. and over again but they kind of laced the entire album with with her work and it really punctuated it with these searing melodies and this this album is very melodic i think that's what people kind of when when you think of sun and you have a passing familiarity with Sun is they go, oh, it's the band that plays slow. Oh, it's the band that are really difficult to listen to. But quite a lot of their music is quite uplifting and yeah, quite melodious. Yeah, it's very euphoric. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing with this record is it's that it, it never felt oppressive at any point. It almost felt, yeah, euphoric and, and kind of freeing. Yeah, and that's my takeaway from it is... Is it a softer album than the no i mean that's also another thing that's uh worth bearing in mind because i didn't realize that they were releasing a second record this year yeah uh again with steve steve albini yeah so they recorded it in the same recording session uh the second album is called 
pyroclasts. Yeah. Uh, there's no there's no information about it currently, but I believe it's set to come out in around October time. Okay. Uh, towards the end of the year, I assume that we're probably going to find out a bit more about it in the yeah. coming weeks uh, once the dust has settled with this. And from what I've heard, it's more meditative than this one. Oh wow. Um, what did um what did Stephen O'Malley say on the day? He just shared his appreciation of the fact that it's possible to hold these kind of events in which it, in which it really supports these particular kind of artists. Yeah. Because I assume, and you're a man who has seen some live, so you've had a chance to experience them probably probably in the rawest form, uh, rawest possible form. Well, as raw as you can go, sitting. Um down in the Barbican with other highbrow middle-class white people. Yeah. But I did also see Stephen O'Malley solo support um, Byron and the Club of Gore oh. at St. John the Hackney Church. And oh, wow. that was mind-blowing. Like, yeah. some were incredible, mm. but just seeing uh, Stephen O'Malley derobed, just going through the motions with all of his stacks and preamps. Yeah. It was just... I, I I know it's such a cliche when it comes to Sun and Stephen O'Malley and Greg Anderson as well uh, about their sound and their tone and the the, the volume mm. of their work, but it was such a physical experience. Yeah, like people left before Bowen and the Club of Gore because wow. they couldn't take, take it. any of it. Some people should have stuck about, but Boren and Dekobagor don't sound like that. They don't they're, have they're, the same effect. They're just slow, smoky, Angelo Badlamenti homage yeah. jazz. Uh, absolutely incredible band, but yeah, it was a fantastic lineup. It was really eclectic. Um, some people just put their hands over their ears because they couldn't take the sound. Mm. And it was loud. It actually made me jump yeah. at one point. And it was just. Uh, essentially, it was just one chord yeah. for an hour, and it was <laughs> and it was absolutely amazing. <laughs> um, and uh, some people fell asleep. I did come close, not in a bad way. Yeah, I think that's yeah. I think I think it's easy to kind of take the piss and be like, oh, well, nothing's happened in the last. But it was it it was cathartic, yeah, to say the least. Uh, it's like a hypodermic needle kind of. <laughs> And with this record, if it is a companion piece, uh, I do very much look forward to the second part because with this, it never stopped. It, was, it wasn't where it had like a slow build up or it had long ebb and flow parts where you'd wait for it to kind of quiet down and it would come back in. For an album that's 70, near on 70 minutes long, the entirety is full on amps at 11 mm. playing really heavy riffs um which i would f i thought would get grating after a while but it absolutely didn't and maybe it is maybe it's just the benefit of of where i got to listen to it um but what your what your feelings on because i mean obviously they've done previously they did white one they've done white yeah. two they say the black one isn't a continuation of that theme because yeah. it's apparently spelt one rather yeah. than numerically one um but the only thing that i can compare it to in terms of people who release these larger concept albums in which they have 
one album that has this feel and one album that has this feel is, say, something like Baroness, Yellow and Green, um, which uh, Yellow had a very difficult sound to... uh, Sorry, a very different sound to Green. Mm. And probably more recently, uh, Panopticon, uh, which was the uh, the scars yeah, of man on the once nameless wilderness. Over as well. Yeah, and uh, swans definitely. Yeah, and for me, I I feel like sometimes they're. I feel like they they sometimes miss the mark by producing all this hu- this huge amount, and it is such an undertaking to to create yeah. this huge amount of work, but whether people can whether people can take that in all in one go, I feel it's slightly overwhelming. So I really appreciate the fact that they're releasing this at the beginning of the year and then releasing their second album later on rather than doing it all in one go. Which is kind of funny, isn't it? Because it's been uh, three years... uh, Has it been three years or four? Three or four years since Canon. Four. Uh, No, 2015. Yeah, so yeah, four years. Four years, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so, so they've been, been about busy four boys. years, <laughs> and now you're saying, "Oh, I'm, I'm glad that they're releasing this one at the at the tail end, start of this year, and then we've got a break. Thank God, they're going to come back later this year, so we can absorb more." But um, I revel in pretty much any Sun release mm. and and their own uh, work outside of Sun as well. I think. Um, Stephen O'Malley and Greg Anderson are O'Toole's in what they do. Like they are uh, at the forefront and there is a reason why they're so big. Yeah. So I haven't listened to Life Metal. No, uh, but you I have you been... to sell it to me. And are you going to buy it? Uh, I'm going to listen to it first. Uh, I'm, re- I'm really looking forward to listening to it. From, artwork... what it. from what it sounds like, from what you've, you're saying, is it sounds like a culmination of things that they've done in the past, so I'm, I'm probably going to lap it up anyway. Yeah. The artwork is stunning as well. Yeah. I haven't had a chance I've to properly, properly look at it, beautiful. but it looks like... Uh, who's the lady who did the artwork? Because uh, it's worth mentioning her name. So Samantha Keeley-Smith. Uh, and it's actually... So it's the painting is by her, and then a guy called Ronald Dick actually photographed the artwork, which I think is a really interesting concept. I don't know how often that happens... Generally, I always thought that things just scanned into a computer and then edited there. But the idea of actually having a, a physical piece of artwork and then having someone almost celebrate it in a way by taking the photographs of it. And it kind of almost looks like almost looks like the surface of a dying sun. Like these which really, we've all seen. Yeah. Which these kind of rich yellow and contrasting colors yeah um but it's it's really beautiful and i probably will actually end up picking up a copy amazing next time next time i'm at crypt of the wizard uh however so that is kind of that is my very isn't isn't a bridge takeaway yeah yeah as much as i can do from the experience that i had However, you're, you've provided us with a little bit more information on them as artists. Well, you've been you've holding sin- the fort. Yeah, you've scintillated us. Yeah. Uh, let's give a bit of a, a background on the band. Yeah. And I've been the, busy this the week. Players I've been involved. on the campaign trail. So Have you? Yeah. Okay. Been shaking hands, kissing babies. <laughs> not in a weird way. No. Not in a Carl Logan way. But yeah, not in a Man of War way. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, like... 
I said, I actually feel physically unwell when I think about how prolific the founding members of Sun are. So um, they formed in Seattle, in Washington, in 1998 by Stephen O'Malley and Greg Anderson. Uh, the, the pair actually met through their respective involvement through uh, hardcore and metal music. Um, Greg, while forging his early career in bands such as, you know, like False Liberty, Brotherhood, Statement and Galleon's Leap, which actually uh, also included uh, Nate Mendel of oh, yeah. Sunny Day Real Estate and Foo Fighters fame. Uh, it wasn't until his involvement with both Burning Witch which was alongside O'Malley in uh, around 1995, uh, which was actually following the disbandment of Thor's Hammer, which was the pair's first group. Mm. Um, and that was their first collaborative effort, I guess. Uh, it's, it's also significant to note that um, Greg, for Burning Witch, uh, hadn't actually appeared on any of the recordings, I believe, of early Burning Witch. But I think they returned to Burning Witch later. It's the, Burning Witch is an interesting one because um, it's really, really important in the... If you look at doom metal, again, as a met, metal continuum, um, they were the impetus, essentially, of what doom metal would come to look like in about a decade's time, mm. which is incredible because I think at the time it it obviously had some form of impact, but over the years it's become as influential as say the mysterious for example yeah like it is it is so important to the future of doom metal and there's also like the impetus of sun in burning witch as well you can re you can hear the nucleus of that um coming out there uh, but it was also uh, greg's involvement with uh, doom act goat snake where he began to formulate sort of a signature playing style and Goatsnake, uh, they came into fruition in 1996, following the disbandment of The Obsessed, which included uh, bassist Guy Pinhas and drummer Greg Rogers. Um, Anderson was also a member of uh, indie noise rock group Engine Kid, mm -hmm. which was essentially an exercise in slint worship. Yeah. Have you ever listened to Engine Kid? I've not, no. Rich, check them out. Okay. They're so good. They're they're amazing, and it's completely alien to uh, Sun and Burning mm. Witch and Goat Snake and things like that. So definitely check it out. It's very interesting music. So Stephen O'Malley, uh, also referred to as Soma and a number of other aliases, um, he began his career sort of as a fanatical black metal journalist for his zine Descent magazine. Um, and he's also a graphic designer. And his sort of additional art credits or creative directorial credits is really vast and really, really interesting, actually. So he's worked with people like... He did the reissue artwork for Winters Into Darkness, which came out in 1993. But I think it's important. I don't think he was involved with the original design, um, he actually worked on the reissue for Southern Lord, I think in about 2011 or something like that. Uh, he worked on the artwork for Emperor's uh, Anthems to the Welkin at Dusk from 1997. Uh, in the Woods, um, Omnio, which was uh, 1997, and that was released on um, 
Misanthropy Records. Um, Primordial's Journey's End from 1999. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is a good one. Bertsum's <laughs> Oh, he's back again. Uh, that was from 1999. I think that was his second uh, endeavor into ambient. Um, and he's he's done like, you should really, again, check it out. Because like, if you just look at his um, back catalog of artistic creditations, it's huge. Um, so he's he's worked with sort of Owen and Barchi, Psy. He worked with Mayhem, um, Place of Skulls, Solstice. Uh, Earth, of course, you work with as well. Uh, so he's got an unreal creative output. And actually, um, back to the, the zine that he worked on in the 90s, Descent, he actually got quite a bit of flack uh, in later years sort of for his sort of blasé attitude towards publishing reviews and profiles for sort of far-right black metal bands. Okay. People started bringing yeah. it up. Later, just like, how do you feel about the fact that you were involved um, with that scene? And he he sort of alludes to it, and he says like he doesn't he didn't share their political ideologies, but he just was claiming to care solely about the music. Yeah, uh, which is it's difficult. Been, it's been criticised as sort of like naive. Yeah, he was like twenty. Yeah, he should. I mean, we he all should ignore, have known. We better. all ignore racism when we're twenty. <laughs> Um, Some of us are still at it. <laughs> um, hey, Varg. Hope you're, doing, hope you're doing well, mate. So despite Anderson's early exit from Burning Witch, a great deal could be said about the nucleus of uh, Burning Witch and the band's importance to the trajectory of what would become Sun. Um, so a lot of terms have been used to describe Burning Witch uh, and their sort of untraditional sound. Uh, among these are Suicide Doom. Okay. Trans-dimensional Drone Doom. Oh, fuck. True Blackened Doom. And this is my favourite one. Molasses Sludge. Oh, yeah. Honey, honey death metal. Yeah. Just... Agave syrup. Yeah, exactly. Fucking, fucking shit. <laughs> like... Just get a hat and pull out yeah. names. Stephen O'Malley has obviously said these descriptions are ridiculous, uh, insisting Burning Witch is just a slow and heavy doom band with quite unique vocals. They are quite unique. Um, and there's a natural sound, progression in sound of Burning Witch to the pair's like, later project uh, or projects, especially on Black One. Uh, and comparisons can be made to sort of O'Malley's later project, um, Canate as well, or Canate. Um, and it's also worth noting that a number of Burning Witch records were released through Southern Lords mm. at a later date. So they do return to Burning Witch. Yeah. Uh, the name Sun uh, is essentially a, a homage to both sort of the amp equipment company of which they employ for their live sets uh, and also to Dylan Carlson of Earth. Uh, Earth 2 ultimately sort of laid the foundations for Sun to emulate in yeah. very early, early Sun records, you can definitely hear the Earth influence there. Um, but despite Stephen's artistic credentials, the band's logo was actually pilfered from the music equipment company of the same name. <clears throat> Sorry, uh, ironically, the band's logo was copied on a print distribution platform, uh, Redbubble. 
So this is Fuck. this is really ridiculous, yeah. So have you been on Redbubble? Uh, yeah, yeah, I've, I've I, scoped it out. Oh, yeah, I don't know whether I feel comfortable about buying stuff from them. So I don't know what the I don't know what involvement the artists have. Well, it's in interesting that you bring that up because there was a designer that was set. Well, designer in inverted commas. Um, he was sent a cease and desist letter from the uh, the hosting site Redbubble um, due to Stephen complaining about stealing son's design yeah so this this designer uh he took the the o with the brackets around it and just next to it almost in um mirroring son's font just wrote doom and then had like a circle in brackets not particularly inventive but it's so ironic because Stephen o'malley the graphic designer steals a logo from a amp company and then, and then shits and on, then shits on someone else yeah. for stealing theirs. It's crazy. But so, you can buy you can buy their merch on Redbubble. I'm yeah. just having a look now. You you can get uh what can you get? You can get iPhone cases. You can get silence. Yeah, you can get uh notepads. You Cash can get, But what what Involvement do these artists have? Because I have seen even more obscure bands mm. that have merch like Weakling, uh, the the early two thousands, I think early two thousands black metal band from San Francisco, who released only one record uh, and then didn't necessarily disappear into obscurity because mm. they're still highly regarded as one of the most important American ma- black metal bands, uh, but. They never, they never released or tried to promote anything further than that. So how has their merch made it up on this website where they're selling tea cozies and whatnot? Yeah, like, I th- it, it could. It's interesting, especially for Sun, because Sun, Sun's label is mm. Southern Lord, and they run that label. So it couldn't be any sort of like undercutting from um, a parent label by trying to get more cash out of a, a group by like rinsing them the fuck dry with a, like a sun tea towel i love how the fact that they have like um they have like h&m models yeah like modeling yeah. modeling these t-shirts brilliant hey you like sombra <laughs> uh that so the band's name is definitely chad yeah or something to the effect of that uh, the band released majority of its music through uh, Southern Lord, which was also founded in 1998. Uh, however, the band initially released um, Ooh Void, or Oh Oh Void, uh, which was their second album on sort of multiple ra- labels, including um, Rise Above, Hydra Head Records, Dirtier Production, uh, which pressed it as sort of like a double album on vinyl. Uh, additionally, the original pressing of the Grimrobe demos, which was their first release, uh, that was also released by Hydra Head Records. Uh, it was later issued as a double picture record set by uh, Outlaw Recordings and finally reissued by Southern Lord in 2004. So onto their albums in general. Uh, they've actually got, they've got nine studio albums, which makes it seem over um, a career that spanned decades, like not, not a huge output but if you take in uh if you include their uh, demos their live uh releases 
Uh, they're collaborative records with other artists. They're mini albums, etc., etc. I think it like which equates, is the length of a normal album. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it equates to at least thirty records. Wow. So yeah, there's a lot to decompact. Yeah, with Sun. So onto some of the records themselves and just seeing how Sun evolve over time. Um, Uvoid sort of had more of a salutation to their really early influences like Swans and Melvins. There actually even includes like an obnoxiously obscure Melvins cover on Uvoid, Rabbit's Revenge. Mm. Um, And I think like it, it almost starts out more of a comedic group that then grows into this serious thing like again it's that self-aware thing it's not comedy music obviously but there's something especially like including a melvin's cover there there is something it's a wink and a nod yeah exactly like just the constant endeavor to find the brown note kind of thing <laughs> like they've probably had that i chance. was terrified before i went into this uh <laughs> this preview of life metal that uh, yeah um so their debut proper um which was oh, oh void um, is associated with their early influences and Percussive and Forebears, their sort of future sound. Um, and then it, that was followed up by uh, Light... Um, light? Fuck yourself. Uh, Flight of the Behemoth. Um, and that's sort of like the real inauguration of Sun sound, albeit very much in its infancy. Um, and on that, they collaborate with uh, Merzbell, um who I can never pronounce their name properly. I think I always think it's like Merzbauer. Have another Merzbauer. runner here. <laughs> and um, it also includes that sort of like, it also actually includes on that record a bastardized reinterpretation of For Whom the Bell Tolls by Metallica. I've not heard Have you that. not listened to no, it? No, I've not listened to that. It's like they've taken Ride the Lightning and time stretched it to the point where it's like completely indecipherable. <laughs> it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Um, Following this, I would say potentially could be Sun's most experimental double release, which is White 1 and White 2. It has more of a greater emphasis on collaboration and there's actually percussion, it, percussion in it, it's, which was pretty much void, I'd say, from previous records. Um, so vocal features include um, Julian Cope, which is uh, he recites occultist. My wall. Yeah, my wall. Which is fantastic. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. He'll be the sound of Johnny Guitar. I think that was actually... Sonic Doom. When did that come out? 2003? Uh, White 1 came out 2003. White 2 came out uh, 2004. I think that was actually my first introduction to Sun was White 1. Uh, having listened to it with a couple of friends. We used to have little sleepovers. Token, were you, bruh? Yeah, well, we used to have little sleepovers where we'd listen to records in the dark. So it's all come full circle. Uh, a a bunch of circle. Yeah, a bunch of sweaty boys in a dark room together listening to Sun. So Sounds like metal fan. <laughs> um, so yeah, Julian Cobra's on my wall. Um, Rumhild um, Gamelseta. From Thor's hammer, actually, uh, provides chanting Nordic folk on uh, the gates of Ballard. Um, and then White 2, a year later, actually closes with vocals from uh, Attila. 
Attila Shizar. Shizar. Of Mayhem fame. Yeah, I keep, I, I, every time I say his surname, I want to say Shizer. <laughs> it's, it's size. Is it, it size? It's uh, Hungarian, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's um, Shihar. Yeah. But, um, or Shihar or something like that. But I constantly just want to say Shizer. <laughs> And, and that they would collaborate with quite frequently, don't they? Yeah. So Sun have been compared to almost like the, the amount of collaboration that they um, insist on, I guess, has provided them with this sort of reputation of being Metal's Sun Ra Orchestra, mm. uh, which they sort of, they, they try and distance themselves from that um, label. Uh, but if they were an orchestra. Uh, Attila would be their sunra. Okay. So <laughs> just, to, just, yeah, just to completely uh, go against what they, uh, uh, go against their wishes and just go with what I, just go with what I think. Um, so yeah, this followed uh, on from white one and white two, uh, black one, which has no, as we've mentioned, correlation to white one and white two. And it's widely regarded in, some respects as their black metal record and it actually also includes quite an oozy reimagining of immortals uh cursed realms uh from uh battle in the north which came out in 1994 that being said i mean obviously we previously mentioned that uh stephen o'malley has quite a long-standing interest in black metal trying to define not necessarily what a genre is, but the feel of a genre. Like if you say that something is, you can say that there are elements of black metal, you could even almost consider it black metal parts of Sun. When you describe, when someone comes up to you and asks what a black metal band is, the easiest things to go to is, it's very high pitched guitars, not a lot of bass frequencies in it. However, this is obviously the complete opposite of yeah, that yeah yet you can still there's a rawness almost, to it yeah and it's almost it's it's that tone not literal tone as in guitar tone yeah. but that atmosphere and that feel and that's when you play a, a standard death metal band that has blast beats and trill pick guitars what's the difference if you, if you were to show that to someone who's not in the know of of different black uh, of different metal genres, they would probably say it all sounds the same. Yeah, but it is it's the um, it's the delivery of it that really yeah, yeah. it's the product I yeah. guess, of uh, the aesthetic of black metal mm. really like it is a package deal, isn't it really? <laughs> Uh, so other musicians um, on Black One uh, include uh, Malefic and Rest from uh, Zathur and Leviathan, respectively. Black Metal, Sad Boys. Yep. Love them, though. Gotta bloody love them. Someone's got to. <laughs> yeah, someone's got to. Um, the band supposedly also uh, went as far to lock uh, Malefic in a casket to record the vocals on this, Bathory yeah. um, Elizabeth. Did you know about that? And he's got pretty bad claustrophobia as well yeah he's what super fucking assholes yeah yeah <laughs> they actually did this um they returned to that whole theme um again during a live art performance for uh banks violet i believe and where attila at the band they were they were sealed in coffins so the audience could hear them but they couldn't see them uh so which is a bit you know <laughs> 
It's on. The, it's a bit on the nose, isn't <laughs> <Yeah>. it? <laughs> um, so it's, uh, as we've explained, it's not a continuation of White One and White Two, but more of a revision or like a deconstruction of the tone, mm. the pace, and the intention of Sun. So Black One is a very, very. I think pretty much every Sun record is a significant turning point, but Black One starts to really delve into the idea and the the meaning behind the length of their songs and the patience that you must have when going into a, mm. a sun record. Um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to delve too deep into uh, the majority, the, the rest of their catalog, but I'm, I do have to talk about Monoliths and Dimensions, uh, which came out uh, in 2009. Um, if there was ever a more apt title for a record, it would probably be this Taylor one. Swift, 1989. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, it's arguably, as we said, their magnum opus. I mean, apparently it was the most difficult and demanding record to complete. Uh, and it's pretty much a very big departure from Black One. It's more euphoric. They have blistering guitars. Uh, there's huge really complex choral and um, choral arrangements uh and vocals from attila that you can actually decipher as well which is which is amazing but this is really really interesting i'm not going to talk about canon but um on monoliths and dimensions stephen o'malley said it does have its aggressive qualities through the guitars of course but it's not so claustrophobic which was their main concept for black one um and that was a really overpowering record. Um, this one was like, okay, how do we expose the other side of that? Uh, we went through our period of personal darkness at the time, at least for myself. And it's like, we kind of came out of that wiser. That's kind of the feeling of these tracks. There's another set of tracks. This is when he was talking about Monolith and Dimensions in 2009. There's another set of tracks called Canon with a K the Hindu version, right. uh, that may or may not be tied into an album, but that had more of a conceptual link to those pieces, which says to me that Canon is really old Sun material mm. that could have been B-sides or wasn't they, the tracks weren't good enough or strong enough to appear on monoliths and dimensions. Yeah. And I think that is the fundamental reason as to why canon sounds like a bit of an offshoot mm. uh moving on that from there we've mentioned uh collaboration um o'malley alone has collaborated with <gasps> <laughs> greg anderson mersbauer envid kang alan moore ianshu edimanescu anna maria avram fm einheit randall dunn <laughs> james going. plotkin julian cope of course joe preston attila Sh attila scheiser um stuart dempster peter rayberg aka peter lee dorian thurston moore johan johansson nurse with wound the japanese metal band boris and miko kuruhara jim o'rourke keji haino daniel o'sullivan and christopher rigg in the free improvisation act Aethner, together with steve noble aaron turner owen and barchi of course alexander tucker and percussionist zed Ev or Zev, to name a few. That was a good one. You're wrong. <laughs> no, I'm not going to go again. Uh, so Stephen O'Malley uh, says about collaboration: they're basically metal heads with smart friends, and the fact that they're metal heads with any friends is a feat in itself. 
Look at uh, us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so about their sound, very quickly, I just want to touch on that. It's more about tone than instrumentation. Uh, the sound is essentially an evolution um, through a continuum of like both light and dark music. It's not just about black metal, for example. So sort of like these oceanic waves that they ride that they ride on, like sound waves, it's sort of enough to make Moby Dick have a big sick. Kind of. <laughs> um, <Fuck. laughs> O'Malley uh, initially obviously drawn to black metal with uh, Descent uh, fanzine, which led to post-industrial um, ties afterwards. Like again, it's just the progression of how we consume music. When you're a music fan, you just want to, you just can't get enough of it, and it's sort of like an addiction, and you want more of everything. So mm. uh, he um, was led to sort of post-industrial, following his ties with. Black, uh, black metal. So you used to listen to a lot of people like from cold meat industries like um, Mortis, uh, Raison d'Etre, um, Brighter Death Now. Uh, and then that sort of progressed then into uh, minimalism and uh, I hate the phrase, but avant-gardism as well. Um, sort of with Lamont Young, Terry Riley, Steve Reich and all of those minimalist players. And again, you can just hear inferences of that throughout all of... Um, Sun's back catalogue. Uh, regarding their backline, uh, they used original Sun Model T amplifiers, um, but that aside, the group actually utilised um, modded rat pedals. Okay. Do you find that interesting? Uh, and they use so, phase switches as well. Yeah, so I knew about this. So I, I listened to an interview where they were talking about the fact that given the amount of albums, uh, sorry, given the amount of amps that they have on stage, they essentially cancel each other out and create this void when that's not what they're going for. They're going for that proper sound pressure level. The wall. Physical, yeah, physical fit. Like, I mean, whenever you, whenever you, because I was going to mention that, um, I was going to mention that on the new record, there are parts which feel a bit more sparse and then there's parts where it feels like a wall of sound and I hear everyone screaming at their iPhone currently, yeah, no shit, it sounds like a wall of sound. But there is there is that dynamic where yeah. it, it feels like it feels more sparse and then there's a more overwhelming quality to it. And I assume that, I haven't seen them live, you've seen them live, yeah. but as you, you mentioned there is that, it's not just the music, it's the feeling and this physical presence of these frequencies. Yeah. And that is, it, it, the science behind it with the switching in and of itself is absolutely mind-boggling. Yeah. Like, I, don't, I don't know how they... Well, they work with a lot of people that, I think they are the, if they're, if they're the producers, mm. they work with engineers yeah to to get the sound that the the tone that they're looking for and it is awe inspiring mm. like it is it really does rumble <laughs> like it rumbles your innards like nobody's business it's a brown sound again yeah exactly <laughs> it's like no i'm not going to say it <laughs> i'm not going <laughs> to say that um they also use um travis bean guitars so O'Malley said graduating to playing a Travis Bean was like going from playing a stand-up piano at your mum's house uh, to like playing a Bosendorfer. And I think Greg actually uses a turbo wrap with an original chip. 
okay. inside of it as well. So that's quite interesting. What are these mods with these rats then? Do they? Do I don't they know. I detail? think if they just took a rat, it would sound like shite. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because I always thought that they were the red-headed stepchild of, of the big distortion mod. pedals. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know, which is super interesting because you can't compare any tone to sun. No. So they, I think Greg Anderson has like 16 modded rats as well. Not that he uses all at once, but like he collects them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it helps the metallic guitar work mixed with all this orchestration. It might sound like something that's quite unique and quite new. Um, I'm pretty sure Celtic Frost uh, did stuff like this as well, though. Um, Performance wise... Uh, they're uniform for the most part for the band themselves, like O'Malley and Greg and the other players that they'll be working with at the time. Um, they're usually dressed in as druids or like within in robes. And then it's up to the performer to, if it's a tiller, for example, they'll just say, oh, fuck it. I don't know. Just like get some, get some wood, mate. Put it on <laughs> you and be a, be a big tree. Um, and a tiller is incredible. Like he's such a visionary when it comes mm. to, um, not just his music, but the aesthetics around it as well. But the point is about using the uniform at like the uniform being the robes is that it remo- removes the individual. It removes the identity of the, the group. Uh, so the ego is gone. So it provides a greater purpose for the music, I guess. Um, if anything, it's sort of like the preamps that are that sort of like cock wielding libido, egocentric performer. Um, which I think is something really to embrace about it's Sun. It's commendable. Yeah, it's definitely commendable. Um, however, to close off, not all people regard Sun as a metal band. And it is arguable because they are influenced by a huge swathe of other styles, other players. It's dependent on who they're working with at the time, of course, as well. Uh, I mean, for example, I mean, Stephen O'Malley does a lot of theatre work and Greg Anderson likes crust. (laughs) So, you know, influence is coming out the wazoo. Um, But a lot of people could argue that Sun are by no means a metal band or a metal band that suits their criterion of metal. Uh, So Frisky... So what are they doing on this show then? Yeah, I know. Fuck them. What have we done? Just wasted three hours done of it. my life. Um, Frisky Arts on Reddit uh, tried to start a um, a thread entitled "What's the big deal about Sun?" So okay. Frisky Arts says, seriously. I've been steadily seeing more and more circle jerk, hisperesque wankery over the last two years about these guys. This was four years ago, by the way. Okay. Uh, last two years about these guys. Now, it's at the point where they're brought up in just about every metal conversation. Why? This is going to be a highly unpopular opinion. They're fucking bland as shit. <laughs> and the majority of people underneath of it said, just don't All listen right. to them then. Yeah, just just don't off. listen to it yeah, then. Yeah, what are you doing? Someone did compare Soust, which is Sun and Scott Walker's collaborative R. record. R.I.P. Scott, yeah. Big time, R.I.P. Yeah. Um, some people compare uh, Soust to Lulu. No. Which is a fucking no, insult. That is that is damning. I mean, to the Soust is degree. actually a credible, not 
just a credible album, but a, an incredible, incredible album. album. Yeah. Whereas Lulu is a big bag of bollocky <laughs> shit. <laughs> okay, so I think we are exhausted. I think we're done. That was a um, it was a thorough, it was a thorough yeah, look at. It's pretty extensive. It was a thorough look at at uh, two individuals who their tendrils have gone deep into the the metal sphere. So I don't think we can really. We can really cover the extent of their musical output. No way. I mean, Southern Lord alone is just... Yeah, to the point of being all-encompassing. But we hope that that is a very... A primer. Yeah, exactly. And Tom did a very good job. I sat here... Oh, Matt, you did a very good job I sat here doing absolutely nothing. Well, you know. Just looking at T-shirts on Redbubble. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right, can I go home now? Yeah, so where, where can people find us, Tom? Uh, they can find us uh, on Instagram, X and Ferris Podcast. Uh, Facebook, X and Ferris Podcast. Twitter, there's nothing there yet. We, can, we can't Ferris get podcast. into it. I've been trying oh, to yeah. break my way into it. Like, Oceans, I don't know, what are they up to now? 57. Yeah, something like that. Where else can they find us? SoundCloud, they are hosts. And you can find us on iTunes. We'll probably try and work on getting on Spotify and... Uh, other platforms as well uh just bear with us yeah because uh this, this is a work in progress this is a work in progress and it takes a great deal of time yeah absolutely to even get to this shit level so we're gonna be we're gonna be back next week hopefully oh fingers crossed yeah unless unless miraculously some someone comes to end me yeah me yeah yeah right i'm going home cool See you later. Thank you very much.